Uh, thanks, Pastor John. And uh, last week we told you guys about the wristbands. Um, if you are at risk with COVID, that the red one means don't touch me. I love you, but don't touch me. Right? I found out that somebody actually had a different red wristband, and I went to shake their hand. I was like, oh, and they're like, no, this is from a different cause. And I was like, bro, <laughs> then don't wear it. Um, <laughs> yellow means I've... I'll give a fist bump or whatever. Um, no wristband means I am single and available. Uh, touch. No. Just you're like what? <laughs> I thought we should have one for singles. You know, um, probably wouldn't work very good. But anyhow, I, I'm here to have a good time. I love church. I love the Word of God, and I don't believe that a church uh, service should be a place that's boring. I think it should be fun. I think it should be joyful. And um, I. I Kind of had a rough message last week. I'm going to dismiss the kids. Don't worry. I saw some kid just running out like, hey, hey, it's our whole world today. Lawlessness. Just do whatever the heck you want. Um, that's not the way it is. That's not how we run our church. Um, you ever notice that the word enforcement has the word force in it? Think about that. Um, all the other kids are like, okay, I'm going to stay in my seat. First through sixth grade, you may now be dismissed. I'm teaching you patience and how to listen to your teacher. Amen. Um, and I can't remember what I was telling you before I interrupted myself, but hey, that's okay. Oh, about church. It should be a joyful place. Amen. We've seen enough fear, enough things going on in the world um, that we need to be able to come to church and laugh and really believe that. What, what is the second fruit of the Spirit? It's joy. Right? The first one is love. The second one is joy. So today we have a good time. Um, first service, again, it was fun. I mean, it was, there was a lot of people here, and they were very involved, so I'm going to ask you to outdo them. With your amens and your preach it, brother, and um, however else you, you cheer it on. And uh, again, sometimes the more you cheer for a preacher, the longer they go. But I'm not that way. I'm the opposite, actually. Because I'm like, okay, they get it. Let's move on to the next point. Amen. Okay, I one person that caught that. But um, anyway, so I, uh, I just want to share a, a word with you today. And it's titled here, and I, and I took the title, I think a different pastor said this phrase, I think it was Pastor Furtick from Elevation Church, because it was in my notes, and I didn't usually write down who said it, but this one didn't have it, but I think he said this, so I'm not going to take credit for it, Um, but I'm going to build a message around it, and the title is, Don't Let Trouble Change Your Trust. Don't let trouble change your trust. And there's a lot of trouble going on in the world. Um, And you know that, that God's faithfulness isn't determined by the size of the trouble. I mean, God doesn't have levels, okay? Apparently, Ada County has levels, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and I learned yesterday from a, a friend here who was a long-haul truck driver. He, he grew up here, and he came back, and he said, man, Ada County's weird. He goes, I drive all across the country. He goes, hardly anybody wears masks. And then I come to Boise. <laughs> he goes, it's kind of creepy because everybody has them. And so when we moved here 30-some years ago, there was a sign on State Street that said, welcome to Idaho. Turn your watch back 20 years. And I'm kind of wondering if we're not like that, um, you know, with Canyon County. And the good news is you're not seeing spikes in cases of the people that aren't wearing masks. Um, you can go to dinner in Caldwell, nobody has masks on, or very, very few. Um, but somehow, Ada County is still 20 years behind the rest of the world. Pastor John thinks we're trying to be like big cities. <laughs> None of us want to be like the big city, do we? All right, we should, we should good, see that? So whoever's in authority, if you're listening online, our church just said, No. No. So, well, from CUNA, we have clout out here. CUNA clout. Well, CUNA clout. All right. Don't let trouble 
change your trust. Don't let trouble change your trust. There are things going on in the spiritual realm that you know nothing about, okay? There's things happening in the spiritual realm that we have no idea really what's going on, but the devil is fighting like he has nothing to lose. And and as I, I wrote this out, this morning when I woke up way earlier than I wanted to, uh, I, I, I was going through my notes again. The devil's fighting like he has nothing to lose. That is a very dangerous enemy. When you fight an enemy that has nothing to lose, that's a dangerous enemy. But I added something to this morning. When you fight against somebody who has everything to lose, that's also a very dangerous enemy. And as a church... Okay, we have a lot to lose if we let the world continue to push its agenda on us and make rules that are against the word of God. Uh, you know what enemy is no, has no problem? Is, is an enemy that's really not afraid to lose. They're like, yeah, whatever. And I don't want the church to be that way. Because if we don't stand up for what we believe in, okay, we will lose godliness. We will lose a way of life that lines up with the word. And so with that, Again, I asked this question to the first service. I said, I said there's, should, should Christians uh, be involved in politics? Because there's kind of that thing where, well, you as a Christian, you need to keep it separate. That's not true. Why? Because if a Christian is not involved in politics, who runs the country? People that will go against the word of God. Why? Because there's no moral code. They'll just do whatever they want. So absolutely we should vote. Absolutely, we should vote. And you don't vote for a person. Okay? You vote for an administration. You look at the whole administration because not one person is going to be exactly what you wanted. Except President Reagan. He was pretty good. Um, all right. But, but for the most part, okay, you, you vote for an administration to say, okay, for the most part, do they, are they pushing the country in the way that God's word says to go? Or are they taking away from it? So we absolutely need to be involved. I believe that God gave us a voice and he expects us to use it. I really believe that. And then you let him be okay with the results. Okay, whoever gets elected, I'm still serving Jesus. Okay, whoever gets elected, I'm going to need to pay less taxes or probably more taxes, but I'm still serving Jesus. Okay, whoever gets elected, I believe God's will because God appoints kings, all right? But I think he also uses people to change nations, all right? So we are supposed to be involved in those areas. I think it's a God-given thing that we are to do. Uh, so you can be involved in politics but not be political, Right, Because political wants to see what everybody wants and then they make their decision based on what the crowd wants. That's not a good way to lead. As a matter of fact, if you're always pulling what the crowd wants, you're not a leader. You're just a follower with the title. And God has called us to be leaders. He has called us to say things that maybe cause other people to be uncomfortable. Um, you know, but God has called us, I believe, for such a time as this. And I'm excited to be a Christian in today's age. Amen? Amen. I, apparently, I, I mentioned, well, I remember mentioning there, there could possibly be an earthquake. Remember when I said that? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm not telling you, God's telling me. And then I got a Facebook message like on Saturday. There's an earthquake. And I was like, well, I'm three for three this year. Um, and so... I'm praying God's financial blessings on all the church today. I gotta be careful what I say. Amen. <laughs> really be careful because I don't, now I'm going, maybe God was talking to me and I didn't know. But all right, let's just keep going. So here's the question. Okay, the world, and I've been saying this a lot, the world looks like chaos and the devil is behind a lot of it. What appears to be chaotic is really God's in control. And that's what today's message is all about, is the things that you can't see are playing into, playing into what's going on, and we need to be aware of that. So here's a question I want to start with, a question that we're all asking on one level or another is, how do I navigate the unknown? How do I navigate the unknown? Where are you at in your life right now? You're like, I've never been here before. This is kind of scary. And if you take your, you know, your motorized bass boat and you go flying through the swamp at 180 miles an hour... Is that wisdom when you're navigating 
waters that you have never been in before, especially in a swamp. Why? Because there's stuff in the swamp. There's stumps. There's all kinds of things. And so I would caution you to do a lot of praying, like you're navigating things you haven't been part of. So, okay, God, just guide me and help me go at the speed that you want me to go at. Not on my own, because a lot of times we don't want, we want to get out of it. And God's like, no, 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 boom, I told you. <laughs> How often does God say, I told you so? How often does he look at Jesus and say, I told you so? I, and Jesus is like, well, I know, because you don't have to tell me, because he's all-knowing. I don't know what kind of conversations God and Jesus have, but I have to believe they have some conversation. The Bible says that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I mean, Father and Sons talk about stuff, right? I mean, so it, I don't know how that all plays out right now. Um, but it's kind of fun to think about. So I'm going to read a story here of the Old Testament, Second uh, Kings chapter 8. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 8, and uh, we're going to we'll read part of it and then kind of talk about some highlights and then we'll finish it. So here's what we're going to talk about. King named Aram. Now it says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and I will tell you there is always a war. Always something you're fighting. My dad said one time, he said, you know, you have a list of top priorities. Your number one problem he says, you will always have a number one problem. You, you solve the number one problem, number two becomes number one. <laughs> so you'll always have a number one problem. Okay? It, we deal with it one problem at a time. The king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So there were t- the tactics. That were, okay, we're going we're gonna to waylay Israel. We're going to go hide here and then we'll catch him. It says, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel whom Aram was at war with. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard against such places. So Elisha is telling the king, hey, Aram's got a trap set for you. (laughs) Don't go to that place. And the king of Israel would send a little scout and the scout would go, what? Sure enough, there's... So he began to trust the... Uh, the, the prophet Elisha, that what he said was going to happen. And King Aram, he hears about this, and he's not, too ba- he's not too happy about it because somebody's tipping him off. And we'll see through the story, he's like, all right, who's telling on me? Okay, we've got a spy in the camp. Now let's talk about a few things. Number one, we need to understand this, that there is always a war. There is always a battle to fight. There is always a war going on. There's a war for your kids. There's a war for your marriage. There's a war for your home. There's a war for your church. There's, there's a war for your city. There's always a war that is going on at one level or another. And here's a question I have to that is, why do we often live oblivious to the battle? Why do we have to live oblivious to what's happening? If you could have your eyes open now, you would see a spiritual war going on for our country, for our, our world. I, don't, I wouldn't really want to see that, I don't think. I mean, seeing the angels would be cool, but seeing demons is not something I really... I'm not like, hey, God, just show me a demon. No, I really don't. I'm good. I'm good. I have enough, good enough imagination and saw enough horror films as a kid to not need to see demons, to know that they're real. But I would like maybe to see an angel. Maybe. Depends on what I was doing or where my spiritual status was at the moment. Uh, right? Why do we often live oblivious to the battle? We have to understand that there's a battle. In verses 9 through 10, God uses Elisha to warn Israel where the dangers would be. Okay, but the requirement was to listen to the information. Now, as a pastor, my job is to encourage, and it's also to warn. It's to say, okay, here's what the Bible says about this. And, and what we do with that information is what is, is going to be really important on how the outcome is. So Elisha would tell the king of Israel, hey, they're going to be down at this spring, so don't go down there. What you do with the information is what's important. What you do with what you hear today is what's important. 
requirement is to listen to the information, again, which they did. God gives you information to protect you. In this portion of scripture, I want to say be on your guard. Be on your guard with what the world is feeding you. Be on your guard with what the world is trying to push and their little agenda that is taking our country further and further away from God. But I think the church is rising up. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people go, you know what? You've pushed us long enough. Okay. You've pushed this agenda long enough. And it's easy to stay kind of in a gray area when you're not really being fought against. But once, once the lines are drawn, I see the church now going, hey, you know, no, 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 no. No, you've crossed the line now. This is what we believe. This is the word of God. And we're not bowing down to your little agenda. Because again, a government should not dictate okay, and overrule what God, God says is a mandate. All right, and that's why I disagree. Like in, in, in California, California, they're not, not letting them have church still. I know pastors that are. That's completely wrong. It's completely against the word of God. I think they took precautions that were correct at the beginning. But once they started seeing, that, okay, this thing isn't as deadly as we, and it's, it can be deadly, I understand that. But they're still saying, no, you can't have church. And, and that's, that's, now it's going against God's word because God's word says, don't get in the habit of not meeting, okay? So then they have to make a decision. There's churches that are getting fined by the day, by the church service that they're having. But the strip clubs can be open because that's okay, right? Well, there's a point that the church has to say, okay, we played the game long enough, but is, is it getting bigger than COVID now? Is it becoming a control factor? And that's where churches and pastors, fortunately in Idaho, we don't have to deal with that, but they are they're having to. And I, I pray for the, the churches in California because there's something going on that they can't see. But I'm, I'm believing this. When you start fighting against the church, you're not fighting against people. You're fighting against God himself. So watch out. Watch out for earthquakes, and tsunamis, and devastating spotted owls that are going to come and start biting people because they're everywhere. All right. God uses Elisha to warn Israel. What are your places of potential temptation? Okay, I want to I bring this home. It's not just about this army and a king. What are the things that God is warning you to stay away from? What are the areas that the enemy is trying to get you? And you might be headed that direction. And the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Does anybody drive a car with a backup alarm? Like you, it, it, as you back up, it tells you how to get there. You don't have to drive anymore, right? You can just close your eyes and just listen to the beeps. Beep, 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 beep. And what's it telling you? Beep, 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 Boom. What, why, why, why do they need backup alarms? It's because some of y'all hit stuff when you back up. And here's the question I'm pondering. Do I tell a story that, on my wife who is not here but is probably watching online? Oh, I'm thinking about it. We're going to do it. I'm going to tell her. She already knows. I've told the story in church already. Um, she can't hit me now anyway. She's in Utah. Um, oh, did I tell you my wife left me? But she's coming back. I freaked out some new visitors first service. Like I said that. Like my wife left me and they're like, I was like, but she's doing a photo shoot. She'll be back. She'll be, she'll be cool. But I let it hang just for enough time. Um, no, she accidentally, because I tell you my dirt, I got to tell you her dirt. We're a team. We're one. Um, she, back, she hit somebody's mailbox in the minivan. This was years ago. It was like, three vehicles ago, so back when the kids were yay big. So the statute of limitations on marital, it's over, I can say it. Um, but anyway, she hit, this, she hit the mailbox, and you know, it was just a, a little mailbox, a very nicely decorated, hand-painted mailbox that I was able to fix. And uh, she's like, oh, I hit somebody's mailbox. I was all right. I said, what did it do to the van? She goes, nothing, I don't think. So we went to look at the van. Nothing was about this big. 
caved in. Nothing that this man can't fix with a plunger and a little bit of paint and bondo. Um, so we got that. But I hit a tree. I backed into a tree with my dad's work truck. So mailbox or tree? Mailbox. Tree. Mailbox didn't cost me nothing. Um, no. All right. We all back up into stuff. And we all have these warnings in our hearts that when we get close to something that's dangerous, the beep starts getting faster. Beep, 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 beep. And it's telling you, if you keep going, you're going to hit something. If you keep going, you're going to crash. If you keep going, there's going to be damage. If you keep going, this is going to cost you. And as a country, I think the beep is getting faster. And so as Christians, we got to pay attention. Okay, where did the beep, beep, beep? Marriage counseling, because a lot of you are going to need it after this COVID thing. We're going to do a life group called post-COVID marriage trauma. Okay, because my wife and I, we made it through it. And, and I, I'm looking forward to the marriage thing because I have heard of a lot of a marriage strife because you put two people in the same vicinity, okay, and it, it gets a little bit crazy. There's domestic violence. There's a lot of things that have increased since this has happened. Um, but guys, have you ever, you ever been talking to your wife and you want to talk about something that maybe is bothering you and you hear the beep, 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 beep. The more you talk, the faster it beeps. <laughs> And you kind of don't care because you're like, I'm, this is going to end up in a crash. Who, who, like me, just kind of ignored the beeps? Who's willing to admit? Okay, ladies, all right, guys. I, I was telling the guys to tell themselves. I saw ladies raise their hands, so I'm glad you're involved. All right, the beep gets faster, which means pay attention. And as a nation, as a country, the beep is getting faster. We need to pay attention, okay? But we need to understand that God fights for us in our battles. He really does. So verse 11 We'll see here what happens. Okay, so the king says, um, okay, time again, Elisha warned the king of Israel so that he was on his guard against the king of Aram, against the traps and the temptations. And verse 11 says, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and he demanded of them, will not you tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, we have a spy. There is a mole. Some of you were sending messages to the king of Israel with our battle plans because he keeps figuring it out. Who is it? And the officers are like, not us. Okay, Not us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who was in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So the king of Aram responds, go and find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. Now think about this. The king of Aram is not thinking. What I speak in my bedroom, Elisha knows, right? So he's like, I need you to go figure out where he's at so we can go and get him. And if the king of Aram was literal like me, I'd be like, but I'm not in my bedroom. So he can't hear what I'm saying, right? And those of you who are literal, you had no idea what I was just talking about. But literal means literal. Like, well, I'm not in my bedroom, so I could say it in my living room, and he doesn't hear me. And the officer's like, King, it's the figure of speech. Okay, what you're saying, he's listening. I mean, he hears, the Holy Spirit is telling him these plans that you're making. So King Abraham is like, well, go capture him. Don't you think that Elisha knows what's up now? Like, he can hear. Like, somehow God tells him what's going to happen. But there's a, a, good, a bigger plan that's going to happen here. So here's what they did. Send men and capture him. The report came back, verse 14, or verse, yeah, 14. He is in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. Let's talk about this for a moment. The army is sent. Okay, Elisha is surrounded. 
Notice that the king of Aram was fighting against Israel. Now he changes his target. He changes his target toward Elisha. Why? Because Elisha was the threat. Elisha was the one that was tipping everything off. So the devil is very good at knowing who's a threat to him. Here's a question. Has anybody been messed with by the devil this week? Just lift your hand up and say, yeah, I've been messed with the devil. You know why he messed with you? He messed with you because you're a threat. How many of you had no messings with the devil whatsoever? Everything, he just left you completely alone. Anybody he left, didn't do nothing? Don't raise your hand. Because I have a special seat for you. It'll be right in the corner so that everyone knows what spiritual laziness looks like. Okay? What does that mean? If you're spiritually lazy, the devil has no reason to bother you. He's just going to make the waters calm. Why? Because calm waters don't require faith. He's going to be, no, everything's good. You know, he can't get you to backslide. He can't get you to turn your back on God. But he can cause you to be ineffective by not, just, by not messing with it. And, and if, God, if he doesn't mess with it, it probably means you're really not praying. Because we usually pray when what? Things are going south. I would encourage you pray when things are going great. Pray every day. Pray all throughout the day. That's what Paul said to do. And we need to have a constant dialogue with God on a daily basis. I thank God for crazy things like parking spaces, right? I mean, we're both two cars going to the same one. I'm like, no, God told me that's mine, so you just go find another one, right? No, I don't do that. Okay. But I do. I thank God for green lights. Why not? I don't think God did the green light, but maybe he did, but I'm being. That is a miracle from God. That is more than the Red Sea parting. That is, that is, that is less probable than somebody coming back to life, right? I got all the way to ego. I was like, praise Jesus. So what happened, right? I had a bunch of cops follow me, but I don't, I don't. no, green lights all the way. It was a, it was a miracle. It was. Now on the way back, it wasn't such a miracle. It was like, oh my, all right. Um, but, but I was, I was, I was thankful for that. Okay. I was thankful for that. So army is sent. Elisha's surrounded. Okay. The devil doesn't need to mess with somebody who's not a threat, but he's messing with here. Elisha is surrounded. And there are days when you will look around and you'll feel surrounded by enemies. And you might feel that too. You might be, just feel like, you know what, I'm surrounded by maybe enemies I can't even see. don't even know what it is, but something doesn't feel right. You ever have those moments? Yeah. You ever walk into uh, your house, you know, and you see your spouse's face and you know them well enough that oh, yeah. something ain't right. I don't know what it is, but it ain't right. And that's the moment you like turn around and go back out into the garage, make another entrance or whatever, and you text them. Are you okay? Because the look on your face... That's probably not the best thing to do, but sometimes it might be. Right? If you have a problem running your mouth, a text might be the thing that you need to send. <laughs> How's your day? Terrible. <laughs> What's your problem? Okay. At least on a text message, you go, yeah, don't, don't send that. But once you say it, it's sent. So texting is actually safer because you can actually read what you said. Although I had a text this week that I, it, it misspelled the word, and I'm really glad that I didn't send it. Because it was a little risky and it wasn't my wife. Um, and it was like, whoa, I'm glad I said that. All right, I just gotta, it was, Siri's kind of perverted, I think, sometimes, but whatever. Um, so really read your text before you send it. And it, it just, she just changed a word that could have been taken wrong. So I'm, I'm glad, that, glad that I reread it before I sent it. All right. There will be days when you feel surrounded by enemies, okay? And these are the moments that test your faith. Because faith isn't faith unless it's tested. You might think you have faith, but until you get into the fire, you don't really know what you're made of. The enemy, what do he do? He come in darkness, and there are moments in your life that feel very dark. David felt this when he wrote Psalm 23. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, what? I will fear no evil. 
I will fear no evil. He's not saying evil's not there. He's not saying it's not dark. What he's saying is I'm not going to walk afraid. And there's a lot of fear in our world right now. There's a lot of fear that's being spread. And there's, there's political agendas behind it. There's a lot of things that are going on that are causing people to be afraid. But there's also towns like Mountain Home. I have a friend who passes her church. He said, we haven't been wearing masks for months. We've been having full-blown church. We haven't had one outbreak in the church. He says, as a matter of fact, you go to town, not, not many people have masks on. He said, coming to Boise is really weird. He goes, I hate coming to Boise. Because he coming from a town that is doing fine health-wise... And he comes to town that everybody seems to be afraid. And everybody's got their mask on. And again, I'm not knocking masks. I'm just saying, if you're at risk, wear one. <laughs> if you've got bad breath, wear one. <laughs> right? Don't, don't sneeze on. I don't want you to sneeze on me. Okay? But I'm saying, if you're at risk, take the precautions. But as a country, we have overreacted. We acted appropriately at the beginning because we didn't know what the heck this thing was. But now that we're realizing, okay, it's not killing millions like they said, it's, 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 it's real, but it's not as big of a deal. Some counties and some cities are still taking it as everybody that gets it is going to die. I know 26 people personally that have had it and everybody's fine. They had it, got through it. Some people didn't even know they had it. Got through it and they're like, oh, okay. Some of us know people that have passed from it. And it's typically, you know, health was, a, was an issue to begin with. And then you have the anomaly the one person that died, and, and you hear about it. It's like, well, the one person that was 12 years old, perfect health, got it, died. And, and then all of a sudden the news goes, well, every 12-year-old in the world is at risk. Yeah. Well, no, they're not. Okay? Again, is it real? Yes. Okay? Let me ask you a question. If every missionary that was called of God to go to another country was afraid of catching something that could possibly kill them, how many would go? Okay? I mean, if they were like, uh, and it's not like God says, you know, my call's without, you know, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you, unless there's COVID, then the call, no, what's God say? God says, you need to have some faith, have wisdom, have faith, okay? Hand sanitizer, wisdom, but I've been using that for a long time because I don't like germs to begin with, all right? I'm not a germaphobe, I'll still eat dirt. I, you, my food falls on the floor, if it's good food, it's getting eaten, man, I'm like, okay, I was like, no, that's good, I... I'm eating it. Can I be even grosser? There's times that I've opened up a garbage can and seen perfectly good food on a plate. And I'm like, babe, why'd you throw this hamburger away? Because it's, well, I got full. I'm eating it, man. I know. I just am sickening some people out. Right? Bless it in Jesus' name. Put it in the microphone. Kill it and eat it. Let me ask you a question. If you were starving to death, would you eat out of a trash can? Ah, no, quit judging me. Um, Right? Now it's situational, right? It's only wrong if you're not starving, all right? If it's in the gross stuff, I'm not. But I'm just telling you, if it, I, knew if I, I don't do this at McDonald's. I, I don't go to a restaurant and go, oh, look at this. Let me lift a hamburger. I, I got to know that my, my, my wife was the one that touched it, and it has to be on the plate. It's not, I'm not digging through coffee grounds and stuff. So I might have painted the wrong picture. That's got to be sanitary to a point, all right? I'm just going to do a point, to a point. All right? Throw in the nuke and just pray and I'm fine. <laughs> you know that every person with mental problems thinks they're fine? <laughs> Say every, I'm fine. Uh, it's good. All right. Give me, let's get back to the message. But I told you we were going to have fun today because you needed to laugh. <laughs> Last week I left everybody in tears. Today I want you to leave smiling, okay? Faith isn't faith unless it's tested. 
<laughs> the enemy came in darkness. Again, the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. David knew this. David had these cave experiences. I preached a series called Dave in the Cave. It's when David, man, he was being chased and, and he had all kinds of stuff going on in his life. And he was in these cave and he was writing all these psalms just like, God, please help me because his life was terrible. And, and that's when he wrote that was, was when he was in a dark place. And I, I'm in the valley of the shadow, but I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. He's not denying the, the reality of the valley of the shadow of death. We don't deny the reality of COVID. We don't deny that. But we can't be living in fear. Because fear is no way to live. And I, I talked about this on Wednesday night. Um, and we're going through the book of Hebrews. So if you like verse by verse, that's what we do on Wednesdays. We go, we're going through the book of Hebrews. And, and I talked about the fear that's going on in this world. Is that fear is no way to live. Fear is no way to live. I shared the story about um, the trip to Hawaii last, last year. I guess February. And um, did I share this Sunday? Did I, where, where I was talking about not being afraid? Did I share Wednesday? Was, I didn't share. Okay. So I'll give you the ad-lib thing. So we were sitting in the plane on the tarmac, and, and, and I was talking about not being afraid. I was like, well, you know, we might crash, and da-da-da. I was talking to Chris, and I said, I'm not afraid to die. I said, but I'm not going to die. The plane's not going to go down. I'm talking out loud. Because God's got a plan for me, and, and you know, I got my pastorate, and I'm, the, the church is great, and God's not done with me, so we're going to make it. And, uh, and with the couple next to us, there's a husband and a wife in, in, across the aisle. And, uh, and, and she, you know, talking to her, and, and he, I said another comment about, well, I grew up flying, and it's not, I'm just not afraid. And he says, not everybody thinks like you. I was like, I'm kind of freaking you out right now, huh? And he's like, just, <laughs> I was like, well, are you right with Jesus? Because, brother, this plane is going down, right? I mean, no. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I was like, oh, well, I said, we're going to be fine. I said, I, I pastored church, and God's not done with me, man, and we're fine. And then I come to find out they're born-again Christians, okay? But he was still scared. He still had this, this fear of flying. And I thought this, man, okay, we're flying to paradise, right? We're going to Maui. And, and my eternal destination is paradise. So whether the plane lands on the island or lands in the ocean, I wind up in paradise regardless. So I'm fine. No big deal. But apparently not every Christian shares my enthusiasm for the afterlife. So I was a little more careful with what I talk. And, and it, was, it was kind of funny because he just had this stoic look. I was like, bro, what's wrong? And he was scared of flying. You know? Here's the point with that, guys. We're not all at the same level in our walk with God. And we need to be patient with those who are a little bit afraid. And it's okay to say, hey, you're afraid, but you know what? We're going to make it. And that's where leaders come into, into play to say, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Elisha is about to become the leader. Okay, he is the leader, but he's going to show this, the servant something that the servant doesn't know. All right? Fear and faith seem to take turns grabbing at the steering wheel of your life. Okay, you, you, some days you'll have this faith, everything's going to be great, and then all of a sudden you'll have this fear of, oh no, <laughs> oh no. And fear and faith, as I said Wednesday, cannot drive the car at the same time. They, they will fight each other. And so our lives have to be governed by faith, even though we'll have moments of fear. And when you have moments of fear, be okay with it. To say, man, I'm human. <laughs> this kind of scares me a little bit. All right, this kind of scares me. I'm going to live in faith, but the fear thing's kind of got me right now. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, okay, I'm, I'm where David's at. David was a little bit afraid. You can see it in some of his writings, but he knew who was with him. He knew who was with him. Emotions can get the best of us. Verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God, he got up in the morning, okay, the, the army and army is all around the city. 
servant of the man of God got up and he went out. The next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. And he says, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, what shall we do? What shall we do? Scary. What shall we do? There's two things I want to teach you right here. The the servant woke up to something that he did not expect. And what I have found in life is what you don't see coming is often the thing that throws you off course faster than anything. It's what you don't see coming. The the tragedies, the, the moments you're like, where, what happened? How did we get to this point? Those are the ones that can hurt the worst. So we often worry about two things. Okay, number one, things we have no control over. And number two, things that aren't likely to happen. How often have you worried about things that never came to pass? All the time, right? You worry worry about stuff all the time. So I did a little Google search this morning. And I, I thought, you know, how many people are, are killed on, in, on roads, like just roads? How many in the world, how many people die per year on roads? Well, the answer was 1.35 million people. Just road accidents, okay, that happen on roads. It's like, okay, 1.35 million. And so I Google, how many people have died of COVID so far in the world? 957,000. I said, okay, so 1.35 million have died on roads, And so far, 957,000 have died of COVID. And yet you are here. How many of y'all took a road today? How many of y'all got in a car today? How many of y'all walked down a sidewalk? You're on a roadway. So you actually beat the odds. (laughs) You know where I'm going with this, right? How many of us got up and got in the car and went, Jesus, 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 please, Jesus. I saw, no, I know the statistics, Lord, no, I'm going to your house, I'm going to church, and I'm going to get in the car. God, I just want to, please, please, put your angels around me, please, please, please. Kids, kids. And then you're like smacking the kids on the way, which increases the odds of you getting killed on the roadway. And then you're maybe texting and you're yelling at your husband. You should, actually should be yelling at your husband. Isn't that bad? Because that means you're driving, but hey, whatever. I grew up with the dads always drove, but this is a new generation. I see some of you men drive us cool. And, and you're, you're, you're just doing all this stuff, but none of you did that today. None of you got up and went, I hope I don't get in a wreck. I hope, I hope, I hope because I'm on a road. Maybe I should go off road. If you're literal, you'd be like me. I'm going to drive in the dirt then because that's not a road, so everything's going to be fine. Do <laughs> you understand what, what made us afraid? Is the news is telling you fear, 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 fear. It's not saying it's not real. I'm not saying that's real. What I'm saying is what you, what you di- or ingest is what you typically reveal out of your own heart and out of your mind. So if you have a higher chance of dying on a roadway than you do of COVID, we should quit driving, right? But do we? No, we don't. What, what, what comes into play here? I think faith. I think faith says, you know what? I'm going to get my car, and I know what the statistics says. So you know what? I'm going to wear a seatbelt. I'm going to be smart about it. See, where I grew up, you didn't wear seatbelts, okay? We had metal dashboards instead of, you know, puffy things. <laughs> I heard a comedian one time. He was like, yeah, his mom called. She's like, yeah, we just got in a rollover. The kids were having great because it was like a giant bounce house because there's airbags on all four corners of the bag. Let's do it again, mom. <laughs> Probably not, Okay. Because so statistically, we have to understand that what we take in is really what we think about. And if fear is what's being served and we're just eating it up, we're going to live afraid. I'm not saying don't live smart. I'm just saying we don't need to live afraid. 
God's word says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. So if God has a plan for my life, how many of you believe God has a plan? I mean, he's got a literal plan for your life. Okay, how many, some of you didn't raise your hand. How many of you, you don't, I'm not saying you know what it is. I'm saying you believe God has a plan. His word says, I have a plan for you. How many believe that God's word is correct, 100%? He has a plan for you, doesn't he? Do you think then that God is going to allow you to be taken out of this world before his plan is accomplished in your life if you're serving him? No. Okay, so where does this fear come in? What are we actually really afraid of? Am I afraid that a, that a virus is going to supersede God's plan for my life? See, that's where I'm at personally. I'm not saying you have to live here, but I'm living there. Okay, again, I have families at risk. Asthma, my wife's got, you know, one lung. She's got an immune disease. So we, we live smart, but we do not live in fear. We don't live in fear. Don't need to live in fear. She got shunned twice this last week because she went in. The, she had her mask on when she went in, but again, oxygen's a big deal to her. Okay, so the mask limits the oxygen. So she was in the store, and she actually got kind of shunned by a lady who had one on. She's like, whoa, you know, you don't have a mask. Ah, you know, and my wife's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. And then, but the other one was actually a little more funny because I think there's more to it. She was at Costco and there was an old couple shopping and there was this older man kind of next to her and, and his wife, she's like, get away from her because my wife didn't have the mask on. The guy had his mask on and he's like, whatever. Um, I, I think because my wife is really good looking, I think the guy was just getting close. And I think, I think the lady was jealous that her husband was next to a hottie. That's what I think. And so it had nothing to do with COVID. It had everything to do with jealousy, but that's just a theory, okay? Just a theory. Love you, babe. She's probably watching. That was my theory. I was like, well, you're pretty. So he was probably just, you know, kind of getting a little, little closer to you. That's my theory. And the lady didn't like it. She used COVID as an excuse. But whatever, right? No, whatever. Let's keep going. Servant sees the enemy. He's like, ah, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And, and Elisha, he answers with three words. And I think he's probably in bed. He's like, don't be afraid. I don't think Elisha went up and threw the curtains away. Oh, don't be afraid. I think he's like, don't be afraid. And the servant's like, this is a perfect time to panic. Like Woody off of Toy Story. <laughs> it's a perfect time to panic. Well, there's, there's a point here that Elisha is going to make. And he says this, don't be afraid. He says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't see anything. And, and, and Elisha knew, I think, what he was thinking. And he prayed. He says, oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Pastor John sings a song called Angel Armies. The God of Angel Armies is all around us. And, and the servant went, I, I like to, I don't know what the servant did, but he had to go, whoa, never saw those before. It was something that Elisha knew was there, but the servant didn't. Okay, there was a reason that Elisha was the Jedi master and the servant was the Padawan learner. And the reason was, is that Elisha knew who his God was. The servant was simply new to this and he hadn't been through some experiences that Elisha knew. And when God gets you through things and many things as Elisha went through, you're not afraid when the enemy surrounds you. Why? Because you know who your God is. You know who's in control. And that's why I don't get up in the morning afraid of death. I just, I'm just like, God, you're going to take me out when, when, 
when I'm ready, I'm going to put my seatbelt on. I'm going to be smart. When I got my guns, I'm going to be careful. All right, I'm, I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to live reckless, but I'm not going to live afraid. I'm not going to live free. It's like, hey, God, he's got, if God, if he's a God who's God or he's not, either God has my life in his hands or he doesn't. There's no, uh, no missionary was ever called, missionary was ever called in Augusta. But if there's a chance of death, you don't have to answer. No, missionaries went. Missionaries went. Okay, we got some in our church. Serve faithfully. Serve God faithfully. I had a pastor friend of mine say his wife grew up on the mission field and her whole view is... (laughs) COVID? <laughs> Ain't no thing. Like, they faced malaria. I mean, they, the things that her parents, yeah, I think it was in China is where they were at. And, and she's like, the things that we faced? This is COVID. Like, we faced all kinds of stuff. Is it real? Yes. But they still did their job. They still did their job. They still went on the mission field knowing what the dangers were. Knowing what the dangers are. So I'm asking you today to serve God even knowing what the dangers are. Amen? Just serve Jesus. Be smart, right? Sometimes we protect ourselves to protect other people. Like we know that it's family members that are at risk. Boy, then be careful. Okay? So don't, I'm not up here just being flippant about it. But what I'm saying is uh, there's a lot more fear going on in this world than there needs to be. Okay? And as Christians, again, you be smart. You don't be arrogant. Okay? Don't be stupid about it. But we can be confident about it. To say, my life is in God's hands, and I still get grossed out in the buffet line if there's not hand sanitizer. But that's been my life, okay? Now I'm talking double standard, huh, Misty? Yeah, she's like, well, how can you? Okay, it's my own trash can. I don't go to McDonald's and go, oh, a nugget. Um, I, I won't do that. Unless it was unopened, then maybe I might think about it. <laughs> I've often said that the only chance I ever could have gotten of getting an STD was I drank out of a Dr. Pepper that was open in San Francisco when I was a kid. I did. It was a tennis court open Dr. Pepper. I'm chucking it down and my grandma was just like, no! And I'm like, what? It's free, man. It's half left. So that was my only chance of getting an STD, just so y'all know. It has nothing to do. I was just, I walked in faith when I was a kid. I'm drinking it, man. I read this. You can drink poison and not die. <laughs> All right, let's go. I need to get you out of here. Let's keep this roll. Amen. Hey, come on. We're enjoying this. I get you one time a week. And we didn't even charge you today, so this is all for free. All right. Past experience. God's bigger than the enemy. Elisha knows what a servant doesn't, and that is there's an angel army surrounding them. Okay, there, there's no reason for me to think that we don't have them, that we have our angels. We have angels that watch over us, protect us. So get this. I pulled this out of here. The, the guy that was blind... The servant can now see, and the guys that can see are now are about to be, and the servant goes, whoa, we have an army around us. It says, as the enemy came down toward them, verse 18, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. And then Elisha told them, after I believe they disarmed them all, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them into Samaria. He led them into the city that they were trying to capture. Um, so they're in there. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they looked. And, and there they were inside Samaria. So now they're in their enemy's territory, probably unarmed, going, oh, shoot. Like, we're, this is bad. We came to attack, and now we can't see. Now we can't see. We don't have any weapons. And now we're, hey, guys, how's it going? We just came down to check on you, see how everything was going. No, they're in the enemy's camp now. 
And I think they're afraid. I think they're afraid they're all going to die because the king of Israel, he's all excited. He comes, he goes, shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? He wants to kill him. And Elisha says, don't kill him. Verse 22. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food before them. And this is a whole other sermon in itself. Set food before, food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared, I love this, not just bread and water, but he, he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. And the brand new guy to the army goes, is this how it always happens? Because this was awesome. Like we didn't have to fight and we got this big old meal and we got to go home. I doubt it. But I, I mean, I like to think outside of the box a little bit to go, what are the new guys thinking here? And the old guys are going, this is not normal. And here's what happened. It said, because of how they were treated, the bands of Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Sometimes, guys, when you have the right to kill, 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 you need to bless, bless, bless. Because those results usually yield a lot better than kill, kill, kill. When you offer mercy, when you could offer judgment, sometimes gets you further than the judgment. Not always, but sometimes. And in this case, they, they used it to bless them. And then the bands from Aram, they just, they're like, you know what? Those guys are too cool. We're not going to go attack them anymore. But had the king of Israel killed all those guys, would that have lit a fire in the king of Aram to say, man, he killed all our guys. We'll, let's go get him, right? That's what would happen. So we need to learn how to bless at times when we're tempted to kill, kill, kill like this. So once again, what appears to be chaos is actually under complete control. Okay, we're not in charge, and that's a good thing. This world is going according to the way God has it all planned out. Can, can we stay God's judgment? Absolutely. We talked about it last week. That there are a nation going toward collision course, and the beep, 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 beep is getting faster, and God says, hey, if you'll stop, okay, I'll stay my judgment. Because it, it's going to happen eventually. I mean, the world's going to burn up. Crazy things are going to happen. But I believe that we can get... Okay, and I'm praying for another four years of, of peace in our country. Okay, you're going to have pockets of division. I get that. But I'm praying for four years that God would send a revival on our nation like we've never seen in our generation. That's what I'm praying for. So I'm believing that. So you may feel surrounded by the enemy. Okay, halfway down page three, Wendy, I'm, I'm throwing her off today. She's like, where are you at? Because she does my notes. And... Uh, you may feel surrounded by the enemy, and maybe you are, and we shouldn't deny reality, but faith is not denying reality. Faith is just knowing God's bigger than reality. That's what faith is. So faith is acknowledging that God is bigger than reality. Some of you need to pull your phone out and take a picture of that so that when you have your moment this week, you can realize, hey, what, what's before me is real, but God is, is realer. He's realer. That's what I said first. I'm going to say it again. It's a new word. It's Hebrew. Realer. It's realer. It's not Hebrew. Some of you are going, oh, it's Hebrew. Pastor Dan said it's Hebrew. Don't believe everything I tell you. Please don't believe everything I tell you. You got to check it with the word of God. And this is the difference between what the servant sees and what Elisha sees. And this is why you need to hang out with people who have been through battles and made it. Okay? You, need to go, you need to hang out with people who have been through battles and made it. Okay? AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. What's, what's the drug one? Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, okay. Uh, <laughs> Divorcees Anonymous, although that's usually not anonymous. Um, you know, wild kids, whatever it is that we've faced, okay. When you go to a group that have been through the same battles you faced, man, you can make a difference in somebody's life. When you lead that, Stephen, he's a part of a, make it a difference in people's lives, saying, you know what, I've been where you are, and you can make it. 
that is a ministry. That, that is making an eternity in, in the kingdom of heaven. When you get to heaven, I believe there's people go, you know what, you believed in me. And that's what I, I saw your life and you live for Jesus. And, and that's, why, that's why I accepted Christ. It's because you live different. So God, like I tell you, use your story for God's glory. Amen. As messed up as we are. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you my, my story about my shirt. Didn't I? I got all carried away with having fun. I needed to talk about something serious. Let's talk about my shirt for a moment. All right, so the shirt. Like I said, my wife left me, so she's in Utah right now. And, um, and I, look, I pulled the shirt out because I have a, this is how I do it, because I get filmed. I have a, a, a sequence of shirts that I wear so that I don't wear the same shirt two Sundays in a row because people online would go, he wore that shirt last week. Um, so I have this, I, 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 I'm weird, I know, but my tools are the same way. They're all, <laughs> all right. So I, I, I saw this shirt, I had worn this for a long time, and I pulled it out and I went, that's a little bit wrinkly. And then I questioned should I wear it? And I, I had this closet moment. I felt like the Holy Spirit, and I'm careful when I say the Holy Spirit talked to me, but here's what I felt in my heart was, there's going to be people that come to church today that are wrinkly. Okay? Wear the shirt. And so I said, okay, so I wear the shirt. And here's the deal. We don't have to come to church in pressed, nice clothes to come into God's house. That God takes all kinds. He takes wrinkles, okay? And it was also a great excuse to not iron my shirt, right? But I didn't think about that until, but I, I honestly, that is, is I, I was like, yeah, it's wrinkly. And it was like, Holy Spirit saying, we all go to church wrinkled, or you all go to church wrinkled. <laughs> there was no we when God's talking to you, okay? It was, we all come to church wrinkly. You don't have to get all pressed and shined up to come into God's house. He just wants you here. Amen. He wants you here. Now, some of you look good. You're dressed up, you look good, okay? Amen, see? You have a Dodger shirt on? That's what I thought you both do. Right, we'll have an altar call afterwards. Um, we'll be fine. Like I said last week, 2020 is so crazy. The Dodgers just might win the World Series. Um, I'm hoping they do, actually. I'm, I'm pulling for the Dodgers. Um, yeah, me too. That's good. Okay, we might be scarred up and bleeding, but we're going to make it. Let me read this so I let you out of here. Don't let trouble change your trust. Don't let your face and change the trust that you have in God. This is why it's more important than ever to be in church with your family. It is, because you're exposing them to the teaching of God's word. Um, the things of faith instead of the things of fear, because guys, they hear fear all week long. They see it if they're watching any news or whatever. They hear, they hear it all week long. We're exposing them to the things of faith. Okay? Exposure is kind of a big thing these days. Okay, we talk about exposure or whatever. Ads are exposing. Okay, there's always ads. Uh, but you reflect what you're exposed to. You ever seen somebody who you didn't know they were on vacation and they got home and you knew where they went? Like, okay, they went to a tropical place because they're fried. Right? We reflect what we're exposed to. My granddaughter gets reflected with dirt because she loves dirt. She loves playing in the dirt and just like, sweetie, can you not just get dirty? Please. She's a little cowgirl. She's like, no, Papa, I'm going to get dirty. It's just that's how she is. And so I'm always washing her face because I tell her pretty girls shouldn't have dirty faces. Right? That's what I tell her. Pretty girls shouldn't have, so I make her wash up. All right. But, but she reflects what she's been into. Okay? That's, and, and we're the same way. When we're with Jesus, we'll reflect him. Amen. At least we sure should. Okay? If we're truly with him. So all right. Pastor John, come back up. That way I'll shut up. Okay. There's, there's accountability if he starts playing. Um, the people that are scared, here's what I've noticed. Really typically the ones that they watch too much news. Okay, they watch, they're online all the time, watch a lot of news. That's typically where the fear comes from. Um, and when you see the news, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at it through the lenses of the Bible. The Bible says in the end times, people are basically going to go nuts. 
They're going to be lovers of themselves, disobedient, disrespectful. Okay, so every time you see this on the news, this kind of stuff happening, you need to say, okay, the Bible's being lived out right in front of me. Okay, you don't have to condemn it. You can go, yeah, Bible says it's going to happen. Earthquake's going to increase. When an earthquake happens, you say, well, Matthew 24 says there's going to be an increase in earthquakes. Okay, pestilences, which are diseases. Well, there's COVID. There's all kinds of things. So you look at what the Bible says, Matthew 24, if you're interested, and Jesus lists the things that are going to happen toward the end of the, of the age. Well, we've seen a lot of increases, haven't we? Do we live in fear? No. We live in expectation. It's like Jesus is coming back. He really is. I don't think one person that get to heaven went, well, this isn't as nice as I thought. Can I go back for a while? <laughs> Not one of us is going to want to come back, right? It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. So understand that there's nothing going on in our world right now that is out of God's control. Now, I didn't say that everything is God's will, okay? Because bad things happen. That's not God's plan for bad things to happen to his kids. But because there's choice God can't make people robots to do exactly how they're programmed. For there to be choice, there's got to be bad choices, right? And we're the results of those sometimes, or we get the benefits of those bad choices. So not everything is God's will, but it's not out of his control. So you know who didn't really see coming, or I'm sorry, let me say this again. You know who didn't see reality coming was the Arameans. Okay? They didn't see reality coming. They didn't know that the armies of God were protecting God's kids. And I think that's where we are in America right now, that as, as evil has rised up, I think Christians are going to rise up stronger. Amen. Amen. And we're going, to, we're going to go out fighting. If we're going to go out, we're going to go out loving people. We're going to go out doing the best we can to bless those who curse us. When we stand up for what we believe, okay, I know me personally, I'm a target. Man, I'm a target because I'm a pastor. I'm a leader, authority figure. Uh, just the title alone, okay, you can see the news, okay, Pastor does this. I saw one thing. Pastor kills neighbor's dog with knife. It's like, dude, is that like Pastor Rambo? Because I, I want to read this story because that dude's bad, man. All right. So, I mean, that's the thing. Pastor kills neighbor's dog with knife. Cunit would be with gun, but it, this guy had a knife. So I, I went into the story. And it said the pastor was in his chicken coop. The neighbor's dog had been getting into his chicken coop. He was in his chicken coop. The neighbor's dog comes into his chicken coop while the pastor's in there. And, and he starts grabbing chicken. So he pulls his pocket knife out and gets the dog. I was like, that's a pastor I want to follow. That's a bad guy, man. Some good, you know. I just freak some people out. Like, okay. My point is, what the news is portraying isn't always reality. Okay, the reality is, is God has got this. Amen. Amen. That's good enough. Amen. I'm going to let you go. But I got to ask you a question first. And here's the question. Are you right with God? That's the question. Amen. And I just have you bow your heads just for a moment. Because you need to, to know when you live, leave this building, you need to know where you're going. You need to know. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're on your way to heaven. But if you've never made that decision, if you've never said, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. Please forgive me. The Bible says that if you die in that state, that hell is where you will go when you die. And that's not God's will for you to go there, so he made a way. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, for our sins. Come back to life three days later. But have you answered that question? And not answering the question, the default is you spend eternity in hell. And I take that very serious. Okay, again, I'm a literal person. There is a literal hell. The Bible talks about it. But to escape that, you have to ask Jesus to forgive you. And have you made that decision? If you have not and you want to, 
I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave between me and you and God. Nobody else looking at If you just lift your hand up. I said, I had three people first service raise their hand. Like, I'm, I need to get right with Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to get right with Jesus today in this place? Okay. All right. I see your hand. All right. You can put it down. All right. Here's how we do it. And online, if you're tuning in and you don't know Jesus, you need to pray this prayer with us. And we pray it as a church family because we're in this together. Let's pray it. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That very moment, and we always clap because somebody just got saved. Amen. Um, the, mom, the moment you asked, the moment you asked, the moment you were forgiven. Okay, you are now a child of God, and that is an amazing thing. So um, if you need a Bible, and we have a new believer's handbook, it's like, okay, I became a Christian, what do I do? This little handbook will just show you the basics of it. Um, Pastor Chase will have them at the information booth. So um, anyways, did you learn something today? I had fun. I probably kept you longer than I, than I should have, but not longer than I wanted to. Get that, amen? All right. All right, well, let's stand up, and uh, kids probably just shorten, shorten the song.